from Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 86. Today's show is brought to you by IT Pro TV, FreshBooks, and Casper. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snell. Mike, welcome back. Thank you so much. I have an immediate piece of follow up before we even oh, discuss wow. any more pleasantries. This is the fastest follow up ever. What on earth was that music last week? Um, what was that? Ah, uh, so we've had so when Chris Breen did our theme music back in like September of of twenty fourteen, um, he did a first version and I liked it, but it was like all the famous as anybody who's listened knows the uh, the uh, you know super super synthy background and then the the foreground was the super synthy in- instrument too, and so um, my re- my response to him was this sounds great it is so. Synthy, could we make the lead something different, like an electric guitar or something like that? And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I see that. That's that's a good uh, that's a good idea." And so he did the version that everybody's heard, which is the electric guitar ish lead instead of the super super buzzy synth lead. But I kept the other version around. It's been in our upgrade Dropbox this entire time. Actually. I've never heard it because and, the the, <laughs> art, the music, the original music for this show. I never heard. The first time I heard it was in the released episode because you put it together. Yeah, I just yeah. decided it would be fun since I, I, again, my entire life when you were not around is ways of doing weird things to upgrade because Mike's not here to keep it straight on the, on the level. Yep. So yeah, there's in our in our upgrade there's a uh, there's an upgrade theme original file and then there's upgrade theme guitar which is the one that we've used for the in- but but you know those are inside a folder and you built the thing with the Mac the original Mac, you know, the, the Mac SE boot sound and the music mm-hmm. and the fade outs and all that. You built those into our intro and the outro and so those are generally what gets used. But I went back to the original as a little easter egg and I was waiting for somebody to notice it and the first person to notice it was Brian Hamilton. So good oh job brian for noticing it was a little different uh it's the same you know it's the same melody and everything it was just a different instrument it was like extra 80s extra yeah extra synthy yeah super super synth that was it so i just came back from america again i know i, I, I don't have any more trips to america until wwdc which we're both going to be around wow. two whole months between international trips to the u.s amazing mike amazing well, two months look at my record so far this year <laughs> i've been i've been back and forth quite a bit uh, I know. I'm very, I'm very, starting to get very excited for WWDC. Um, just because there's been all the tickets and everything that's that's gone on sale. Uh, you didn't apply for a ticket, did you? No, no. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's uh, fever starting to hit, you know. And we're doing some different things this year. You know, we, uh, we haven't spoken about RelayCon. Um, RelayCon San Francisco yes. is going to be happening. Jason's going to be joining us for that. We're, we're Really excited. Uh, it sold out way faster than we expected it would, um, which is amazing. So everybody who's coming, I can't wait to see you there. Uh, there is a wait list. We're hoping, well, not hoping, but there is a potential that some people may have to cancel their tickets, right? So we might have a few more go on sale, but we already have way more on the wait list than we could ever get to Uh because we, we don't have a, pretty a huge huge venue yeah it so so it's it's at the minute gallery it's it's yep. monday night we're going to do a live podcast and it's going to be the connected the three connected boys and and me and serenity caldwell yep. uh talking presumably about the news of the day yeah um, yeah so what we're thinking stage. is we'll be breaking it all down and, and asking uh, i'll be kind of hosting uh, both sections of the show 
so I'll be talking to to all of the the lovely people joining me. So as I say, Stephen and Federico, and then you and Ran uh, awesome. about the events uh, of the day. So I'm yeah. I'm excited this year because all of my podcasting will happen on Monday. That's it. Then I'm done for the week, which last year, it was a disaster. I was doing it all over the week. Uh, my hair was basically coming out. It was ridiculous. But yeah, we'll be we'll be doing Upgrade kind of as soon as we can after, right? Right. Uh, maybe we'll just do it in the car. Like, we'll just go for a drive, me and you. <laughs> uh, and then we'll be doing the, 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 the Relay Con stuff in the evening, because that's all going to go out. All of the, ho- the whole event will be recorded and put out as the connected uh, episode. Right. Um, Matt asked in the chat room if we streaming it live. I we will strongly be attempting to stream live. Uh and he also said we'll be in a video. No plans for video. Uh right. we don't want to over- we don't want to bite off more than we can chew in this first instance, which is why we also kept the um attendance to a, a modest number so yeah. we could manage that. Cuz the first time we've done something on this scale, the the Atlanta Pen show is like our pregame for this, right? Because this time we right. did it with an audience, but it's a lot more controlled there than it will because we basically set up and run everything ourselves. But we'll be working with the the great people in the Mini Gallery, so really excited. This is our first. This is our first big event, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, th- I'm, I think so. And it's great that that so many people signed up. That's a, yeah. that's an amazing thing too, because you know when you put down your your deposit for the venue, uh-huh. and you think, well, you know, are we going to be able to? Is anybody going to come? You know, we all have those feel- fears mm-hmm. that it's going to be like, you know, five of us on stage and three people in the audience, <laughs> right? But yeah. uh, that that didn't happen. So that's that's uh, that's great. That's uh, that's great. It's uh, the RelayCon uh, uh, series of little mini events uh, rolls on, which I think is. Uh, I think is awesome. So I'm I'm looking forward to it too. Um, uh, we'll have to figure out sometime. We're gonna have to do clockwise that week. But um, but oh yeah, I'm sure I'll be roped in there. You, you so. may you may have to do that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you, you know the live stream. I listened to a little bit of the live stream from the Atlanta Pens show, and it sounded great. So um, you know, I'm sure we'll try to do that for this. But uh, who knows? It's a big live event with lots of people and and drinks and things so we'll see how the how the and, and it's in downtown san francisco so how the internet is and all of that it, it it's uh but it should be fun i'll probably cry on stage if we don't stream it live it doesn't matter that 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 episode is going to come out probably pretty soon thereafter yeah Since it's a live episode it'll probably just get posted pretty fast so, yeah, yeah probably the same day i did it with the pen yeah. show i just went straight upstairs to my hotel room and put it out because like as soon yeah. as i was done i was like ah, i'm gonna get the episode out like that was how i felt like it's getting yeah. old so i just posted exactly. it as quick as i could everybody was having like a pizza party and i'm just upstairs in my hotel room on my own with a glass of yeah. bourbon <laughs> <laughs> that was that was how i did it right so i um, wanted to provide a little bit more follow-up um i was on mac power users this week talking about my uh my current iPad foray, my my multiple yeah. iPad life. Your uh, many iPads, yeah. And the episode is called Mike Hurley, Collector of iPads, which I <laughs> really loved. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, KT was uh, very mad at me. Uh, it was great. It's a really fun episode. Yeah. I, I I only really felt like I scratched the surface um, as to the sort of stuff that I'm doing with, with my iPad now. And uh, this is something that, I somehow feel like I've become a bit of a champion of now. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm right there with Federico, you know, in in yeah. trying to to preach the ways of the iPad. So I suggest to go listen to that because I think it was a great conversation and it's going 
into a little bit more detail, some of the more nitty gritty than than I've spoken about in some other places about this recently. So if you're thinking about the iPad life, which many people are, and getting more and more people who are telling me they're going all in on iPad, then uh, that's the place to go pick up some top tips. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I want to mention, so last week we had Dan and, and Scott on, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of fun. Uh, we got to, it was almost like my version of Connected. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, f- it felt right? very much like that. It was more jovial, you know? Yes. The three-person dynamic is very different from the two-person dynamic, and I did I did enjoy it. Um, it reminds me, once again, that we should probably have guests on more often, because um, because the three-person dynamic is kind of fun, and I, I've enjoyed it the times we had Greg Noss on, we had Scott <laughs> McNulty on, we've had Ren on. Um, it would be fun to do that uh, a little bit more. But uh, the new Kindle uh, that we talked about last time does arrive later this week. So perhaps we'll uh, check in with our Kindle expert, Mr. McNulty, at some point if he's available. Um, I haven't talked to him about this, but uh, but uh, so we'll do the follow up after after that the new Kindle arrives and maybe do a little like we did with Ren and the pencil, yeah. like a quick a quick uh, a quick visit to to just follow up on the actual product now that it now that it has it has arrived. It's just another thing that we're innovating on. Follow up guests. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Who else it's does all that? part of it. Nobody does that. That's a, is it a follow, it's a, like a follow up, but you reach out to the Let's to not bring do them this. in. Let's, we don't need to name it. Oh, I Jason. wonder what we would call that. We all don't. Right. We don't need to. We don't okay. need to name it. Um, I saw some news last night that I was just interested to get your take on. So, uh, Vox Media, the parent company of uh, Vox and The Verge and many more, like a, an increasingly growing. Yeah. Uh, amount of websites launched a new kind of site yesterday yeah it's, it's a v- it different a site it's a different thing it's kind of weird it's called um circuit breaker yeah. and is it different <laughs> or is it strangely familiar well so basically it's that they're calling it a, a gadget blog um so not focusing on startups and the culture of startups you know there's a lot of that now right looking uh sites like the verge and and obviously TechCrunch and, and gadget not only do they talk about the products but they also talk about the companies i like that a, a lot of people do which is why it's gone like this but they're basically going into talking more about just the products themselves which is interesting uh you know in and of itself that they're giving that a go again um, but the thing that I find the most interesting is their publishing method. It's it's very peculiar. So it exists on The Verge, theverge.com slash circuit breaker, right. and you can read the gadget-related posts. But they're putting the majority of their focus into publishing on Facebook. And it's at facebook.com slash circuit breaker, and they're, they've got instant articles, and they're going to be doing a lot of the live-streaming video stuff. And yeah. this is interesting to me because why? Why Facebook? Uh, well, Facebook is a huge driver of traffic. And if you've ever, I, I was I was using it. I don't use it a lot, but I was using it. I'm using it more because we started an incomparable group. Um, and it's a, one of these private groups, which is not private, except that it lets you kick people out if they're spammers. Yep. Um, so I, I, everybody who, if you want to sign up, you can just go find the incomparable Zeppelin hanger and, and join and we'll approve you. But uh, that's making me use Facebook more. Um, and actually, it's a pretty good community a- area. I like it a lot. Um, 
and I'm using using the in, instant articles a little bit more and realizing, oh yeah, this is pretty uh, compelling. That I see why they're doing that. That they are they do feel instant. Um, and a lot of traffic comes from Facebook. There's a huge audience on Facebook. Um, they they are innovating with things like the live video stuff that they're doing, which is uh, you know is is live video new? No. Is it it's it, integrating it in this tightly with Facebook. Uh, interesting. Yeah, it really is. So I don't know. This is, this seems like a combination of P of, of some PR spin with some reality, like the way that the New York times article about this, um, came out, it, it seemed like, well, it's a Facebook page instead of a blog, but it's like, no, it's a blog and it's on Facebook. But, you know, and so I think that maybe that, that was, uh, not quite the right, the right balance to, to set there. But, uh, you as a publisher, you got to be thinking about Facebook, and uh, I think it makes sense for them to say what makes this thing new. Since what we're really doing is sort of going back to the days. The all the Verge people uh, who started, all the people who started the Verge worked at Engadget, and the Verge at the beginning especially felt a lot like Engadget. And although they have talked over time, and and the content has come around recently to being that the Verge is more than just a tech blog, and they do some other stuff. Um, they, uh, this is so, so, okay. So now you're going to do a tech blog inside your not was a tech blog and isn't quite a tech blog anymore. What's that, that, that seems a little bit weird. And so the Facebook angle is kind of interesting where it's like, yeah, but it's also a place for us to play, to experiment, uh, with what if we did a, a, a product that was much more Facebook focused than the stuff that we, that traditionally web publishers, if that you can have tradition in web publishing have done. And so I think that's, I think that's smart. I mean, as somebody who used to be a publishing uh, executive, I guess, yeah. um, I look at this and think, well, yeah. If I was if I was Neil A, if I were, if I were the people there, I would be like, yeah, let's let's try this Facebook stuff, right? I mean, Facebook's huge. Why don't we find some place? I mean, Facebook should probably be part of their strategy overall, and it probably is. But why not put a stake in the ground and say, you know, th- for this site, we're going to really push Facebook as as hard as we can, uh, and everything that Facebook offers, we're gonna we're gonna do, and we're gonna see what it delivers. And yeah. I think that's smart. I think it's really smart to take something that is uh, like a new platform from an incredibly powerful source and do a trial and say, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, a lot of publishers really back in the uh, in the prehistory time uh, jumped in and did a lot of work to be on eWorld, right? <laughs> It went nowhere, but uh, but you got to try, right? And and uh, and for Facebook, Facebook's so powerful that yeah, why not? It's a it's a it's a cool idea. It is funny because a lot of people will criticize the Verge, saying it really is a, a more of a, a tech blog with aspirations uh, than it is uh, some a comprehensive guide to the culture of now or whatever, right? I mean, there there's some critique you can make about that for a for a, a site that's really about uh, everything in the future. They they review a lot of android phones but um but i think they their content really has progressed over time they're much more wired like than they used to be which i think is what they want to do and in that sphere having a dedicated place for gadgets is probably not a bad idea i mean i wouldn't be surprised if like they really just wanted to focus on facebook but they put it on the verge because facebook system needs it to live somewhere right like the instant article stuff it's like well, it's yeah. got to be somewhere, so they've they've hidden it inside of the Verge, and now it's like here's the thing. I also wonder if you allow me to well, put on a, a tinfoil hat. Do you think there's any money moving around between Facebook and Vox for this? Like this feels like something that Facebook would be like, we're gonna help you out with this. Well, I, I, 
it, it sounds like they they it's entirely possible they made a deal and they've been working with Facebook on this, like approaching Facebook and saying, well, what can we do? We want to make like the model like Facebook outpost for content. How yeah. do we do that? Whether there's money changing hands beyond the idea that they're going to make money because they're going to have ads and things mm-hmm. inside and, and and harness the Facebook uh, user base. Uh, is Facebook going to drive traffic there? You know, it's possible, but I bet they, it would not surprise me if they are working together just because it's a major publisher yeah. saying, you know, we want to create a product that really embraces Facebook. And I think that's, I think that's, that's great. They should, they should try it. Um, you put the you put the content on the verge because the verge has a big audience. It's not just because you need to put it somewhere, but it's got a big audience. It's a traditional web audience. Why not channel traffic there? You can sell ads against it. It's probably initially uh, more able to make money on the web than it is some of the stuff they're doing on Facebook. Uh, so you kind of it's like a hedge, I think, in some ways, just to do it that way. But I think it's interesting. Um, you know, it's 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 uh. You know, remember the gadget blogs? It's like the challenge with gadget blogs is so much gadgetry is just uh, life now. And um, so it remains to be seen the way that the the, the initial articles on on, um, on Circuit Breaker put it down. It's sort of like there are weird new places where there are gadgets and a lot of them will stink. But, you know, a lot of gadgets always stunk. And this today is no different. So why not? Why not cover that and maybe cover it without the weight of the verge? I think that that may be at play here, too, where it's like, are we really going to talk about this stupid thing on the verge? And it's like, yeah, yeah. But in a gadget blog context, in a pure we used to do that at at, uh, Macworld. Dan Warren did a blog for a while called Gadget Box, and it was the same idea. It was just like this stuff is ridiculous. But in the context of the gadget blog, it's okay because the people who are reading this want to see the ridiculous gadgetry. And uh, it doesn't have to meet the weight test that maybe a full-on Verge article does. And so that that might be a part of it too. Yeah, I think it's you know it's it's an interesting move. Uh, Paul Miller is back. Yeah, future Paul himself, the yeah. guy who was off the internet for a year. He's, he's come, back. He's back, and in, in he's running uh, Circuit Breaker. I'm interested to see how it progresses. Um, I know that I loved the the gadget blog style as everybody did you know at the time you know the heyday of, of uh Engadget and uh gizmodo i wonder if i still love it now because the trend has definitely moved away right so like there are product releases and there are company culture type things that that seems to be what's covered by most of the sites that used to be gadget blogs now so i wonder what it's gonna be like i follow them on twitter and i follow them on facebook the circuit breaker account so i figure i'll find their stuff somewhere We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Facebook, Facebook is so powerful. It's just, I, I know a lot of, uh, this, this is, I, I say this a lot now, but I feel like I have to do this, which is like, I know there are lots of things that tech nerds roll their eyes at and think aren't relevant that you just have to step outside yourself for a minute and say, yeah, it's not relevant for you. Guess what? It's relevant for so many people who aren't you. And that, that's the truth. That's the truth about Facebook is Facebook is huge. Facebook drives massive amounts of traffic. You could argue that if you're doing online media and you turn your back on Facebook, you can't succeed. Like, seriously. Uh, it, it is incredibly powerful. And so you ignore it at your peril, yeah. right? Even if all of us or many of us might roll our eyes at it. And, you know, that's I've come around and that's why I set up the Facebook group for The Incomparable is, you know, there are a lot of people in our audience who do not participate on Twitter, and 
I want to reach those people too. And a lot of them are on Facebook. Plus the power of Facebook, the stuff that people are doing interacting with us on Facebook is exposing what we do to the people they know who don't know about us. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Facebook's not my favorite thing, but I kind of need to be there as a person who's publishing things on the internet because, you know, even though it's not for me, it's for a lot of people. So I think I think we, as nerds, we uh, roll our eyes at Facebook. That's fine, but you 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 ignore it at your peril. Yeah, we have a we have a Facebook page, um, a really FM Facebook page. We basically just post stuff to it. We don't really do anything with it. It's not a group. I just I I I know that I don't want to manage somewhere else, which is part of the reason why we don't have the, a group like how you do. Um, but I get yeah. it. I get why it's important. Well, I, I didn't want to set up a forum package or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had seen the Flophouse. The Flophouse group is great. Like, legitimately great community. It's they ra- They just raised... They, they, there's too much volume there. But yeah. they, they raised um, They raised money. Um, too much volume is not a bad problem to have, I would say. They raised a lot of money yep. for charity. Uh, and I, I, that was inspirational to me. And it's been fun. Um, it's nice to have a place to go. And Facebook... Uh, Facebook has provided that, and I again, I don't love Facebook, but they did a pretty good job at reaching people who perhaps had no other place, you know, that I, I think would probably not go to and register for some online forum attached to our our website. And we've had we have had comments on our episode posts for a long time using Discuss, and nobody uses them. Mm-hmm. But and then but there are lots of posting in Facebook, so I guess you know it's good so to be there. Are. Yeah. All right. This show is brought to you by IT Pro. TV. IT Pro TV's mission is all about education through engagement. They do this with up-to-date, high-quality video content that gives you the access to the most important tools that you need for technology certification. This will help you if you have a career plan that you want to get in motion, you have something set in your mind, you're looking for that career in IT, or maybe you're already working in the field and you need additional certifications and credentials to get that job or promotion that you've been looking for. This is what IT Pro TV can help you with. They have fantastic courses that are streamed live and on demand to any device you have. They have Chromecast, Roku, PC, iOS, Android, Amazon Fire TV, and the Apple TV. They have apps for all of them that are needed, or otherwise you can just stream from their website. They have over 1,000 hours of content, with 50 hours being added every single week. With topics like Apple Certified Support Professional, Apple Certified Technical Coordinator, Amazon Web Services, and many, many more. All of their courses are transcribed. You can watch from start to finish, or jump to the part that you're looking for if you just need a quick answer. IT Pro TV has just one low monthly subscription price with a no-hassle cancellation policy. You can go to itpro.tv slash upgrade to boost your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Premium subscriptions are normally $57 a month or $570 per year, but we have a special offer for you today. You can try it for free for seven days when you sign up using our code UPGRADE30 when you check out. You'll be able to get all of their courses, live streams, and more, and you'll also get 30% off the lifetime of your account. And it's less than $40 per month or $3.99 for the entire year. This also includes their virtual machine labs and transcender practice exams, which would usually cost over $109. So, as I said again, go to itpro.tv upgrade 
to sign up and you can try it out for free for seven days and then when you uh, are finished with your trial use the code upgrade 30 and you'll get 30 percent off the lifetime of your account thank you so much to it pro tv for their support of this show all right so there is a updated macbook um just came out kind of middle of last week uh just the new macbook they added a new color to it there's a rose gold color now to kind of flesh out the usual color lines that they have in these products and that's about it right it had some speed updates but from the visual side no change it's a speed bump um i've got it here i'm gonna write a review of it for six colors uh it's the same macbook we know except faster the the new core um the core m5 uh and there's a build or M3 and M5 processors. I mean, it, it's it, these these new processors seem much more capable than last year's models. This is so it's a speed bump, but it's like I think it's like a thirty percent speed bump. It is not a it is not one of these kind of uh, oh it's ten percent faster kind of things. It's 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 quite a bit faster, I believe. Um, and uh, I think the battery is a little bit larger, or I mean, the capacity is a little bit more. So I think it's maybe more efficient. Um, and so they quoted an extra hour of battery life, I think, as part of it, too. Um, I've got the Space Gray one here. I, I definitely am uh, looking forward to using it, although my laptop use is very different than it was a year ago, right, because of the iPad Pro. And I know that, like, Serenity, I think, wrote something on iMore about how, uh, you know, it, it, it's weird to get the little laptop and, and be like, I'm not in the market for little laptops anymore, right? And I'm sort of there. Um, I still have my Air and I use it sometimes, but it's not like it used to be where it was my main thing. So that's that's interesting to go back to it. Um, I'm getting to revisit the keyboard, which I haven't used in a year. So how how my feelings changed there. Um, I don't know. I, I think the, one of the fascinating things that I had is that a bunch of people just freaked out about this. And, and uh, I think it says more about the writers than it does about the... Uh, product that there was like there was a piece on laptop mag and a piece on mashable that were basically like this is a joke one of one of them the 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 headline original headline that they changed was that it sucks and the other one was it's the it's the biggest tech letdown of 2016 that one really got me that was i actually kind of went off on that on that story on twitter because boy we we are really in for a great year if that's if 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 a uh, a macbook speed bump is the biggest tech letdown of 2016 and i I heard from some people who are like well well yeah but you know they they fixed the MacBook Air. Um, you know originally it had the one port and all that, and they added the ports and all that. So why didn't they do that with the MacBook? And it's like check your history. They fixed the MacBook Air after two and a half years. It was it was <laughs> right. I mean, it, it took time to Apple. Apple very rarely takes a brand new bit of uh, an enclosure and a year later throws it away and replaces it with a new a newly redesigned one and look at that macbook case and tell me how you could just sort of shove a port somewhere without doing and look at how it's built on the inside too without doing a complete redesign like the, you have you would have to do a complete redesign of the enclosure and of the way it's laid out on the inside to do that and apple very rarely does that but i think at the core of it the people who were freaking out that it wasn't a they didn't add a port Right. Uh, They didn't they didn't uh, they didn't make these changes is these are people who um, already didn't like the MacBook. They didn't like it last year and they had a whole list of reasons why they thought it was a mistake. And they really expected that Apple would recant in 2016 and say, you're right. You're right, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. You, You we do need another port there. We were this was a failure and uh Apple didn't. 
And so then they got really mad that that Apple didn't think that that product was so desperately in need of change that they needed to invest in completely changing it after one year on the market. Um, you know, Apple Apple's product cycle for this product is two years. Also, I think it would require for them to kind of abort and make big changes after one year. It would require Apple to really think like our entire conception of this product was a mistake. We need to go back on it. And I don't believe they think it is. I mean, I think they might decide that when when it comes time for them to revise it maybe it was a little bit too forward maybe two ports would be something worth prioritizing based on the feedback but that is um that is very different (laughs) from saying uh oh geez we just you know we give up you're right we made a horrible mistake i just don't believe that apple feels that way apple's like no this macbook is for this this it looks like this it does this and if you want if you want a different laptop buy one of our other laptops that we make so i thought it was an interesting reaction uh from people who wish the macbook was something that it's not and are mad that their wish didn't come true um, but I don't think it really says anything. Anybody who has been paying attention to how Apple handles this stuff and Apple's approach to these kind of products cannot be surprised. The only thing that surprised me was that I was hoping the USB-C port would be a Thunderbolt 3 port, but um, apparently this uh, chipset from Intel uh, doesn't support it, and it would, therefore, if they wanted to add it, I think it would have required, again, a revamp of what's on the inside, like a big revamp of what's on the inside, and I don't think that's in the cards. So, uh, because again, I think that you wait for the second year, uh, you know, for year three, essentially for the second generation with some real changes to the inside. I don't know. I was surprised though. Were you surprised by the the reaction? I was a little surprised that people were so, so, uh, kind of freaked out by it. Some people that it was just a speed bump. So I think a lot of the negative articles have come from a delusion of self. Yep. Like, basically, a lot of the people that were really upset with the fact that it only had one port were people that thought that it was going to have two ports because they hated it the first time around, right? Where they're like, this is not the way a Mac should be, so they're yeah. obviously going to change it because I don't like it. They're obviously going to change it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm not trying to say that people are wrong for for saying this because I was expecting, in my head, the next time Apple updates this laptop, there will be another port. Now, when it came out last week with only one, I wasn't surprised because that came out faster than I thought it was going to. But I, I did think it would be nice if they had another one. They'll probably do that. So I'm not surprised that that they didn't do it, but I'm kind of also a little bit surprised. So basically, my feeling is I wish they would have done it. Um, it would have been great if they did. The fact that they've updated it and didn't do it, it's like, huh. But it's also like okay, like, this makes sense when you look at the history of the products. Like, I think it would have been really great if they would have done it. I wish they would have done it because it was the biggest criticism. And the criticism is founded, right? You know, the fact yeah. that you can't, you can't plug something in and charge this machine at the same time without um, a ton of adapters. And I think it was MKBHD's video. He was like, for a device that's meant to be light and portable, the fact that you need to carry around adapters kind of, like goes against it right and he was like uh, he was one of the people was like this is definitely going to have two USB-C ports when they when they do it up again and in his video he was like well I was wrong I guess uh, but like he says as like and I think that you said is look this machine this machine it's like it's a good machine it's just that is the issue with it if you think it's an issue 
right? That it only has one USB-C port. And they probably will change it in the past. But now, like, if you were thinking about getting one, now you should definitely get one because it's faster and more capable. Yeah. Like, if you were on the fence, now you should get off the fence because it's a better machine. Unless you're somebody... I mean, I would argue that um, what Apple's saying... And this is this is a very... I feel like this is a... Uh, I'm trying to find the right, right way to describe it. Apple has a vision for what this product is and who it's for. And it's a very... Um, if if a, a giant corporation can have a personal vision, it just... It feels very, very, very personal that this is this is this product. This is our, like, statement about what this kind of laptop should be. And it's not every laptop. It's not every laptop they sell. But this one is this. And it's for this. And it is made to be what it is. And so when people criticize it because it's what it is, what it was intended to be, and not what they want it to be, okay, fair enough. There are certainly points to criticize about it. But at the same time, you have to recognize it is part of a product line. And it is meant to be kind of on the edge and pushing forward and not necessarily a mainstream product. At the same time, not to go back to the whole uh, tech nerds need to think bigger kind of uh, aspect, but like if you're somebody who has to travel with it with a whole bunch of dongles, I think the argument might be it's not for you. Like if if you really if you really need to bring a whole bunch of stuff because you've got a lot of external devices on that, maybe this isn't the product for you. I think that the the dissonance here, the cognitive dissonance that happens with this product is it looks so cool that people want it. I want it. But it's not for them. It's not and for so me. They're mad, right? <laughs> this is why I don't have one because it's not the machine for me. I certainly hope that the new MacBook Pros, when they come, uh, which are rumored to be thinner and lighter, um, my, I hope that a lot of the angst about the MacBook is muted by uh, by the MacBook Pros. Like yeah. now, here's another product that's got more features that also is a product you want. And now you can see this MacBook is, if you don't, if you look at this and you're like, how am I supposed to use that? The answer is don't. Like, it's not a crime for a company to say, uh, this product isn't for you, right? It's not a crime that, not every product Apple makes, we said this last year, is meant for everybody. Um, It doesn't mean it couldn't be better. I've certainly criticized, especially the keyboard. I don't really like it. I get why they did it, but it's not my favorite. Other people really like it. Um, You know, the, the port thing is an issue if you... If you use it in that way, where you need to have all those ports, but if you're somebody who just wants long battery life and plugs it in, you know, once a day at the end of the day and doesn't really use any uh, other devices, then maybe you know, then it doesn't matter at all. Then it's totally irrelevant that yeah. that there there are no ports beyond the one that you use to charge it. I think a lot of people that are upset about this machine are MacBook Air users, right? Because they're looking at the sure. MacBook and they're like, "That is what I want my Air to be." But you've made something more difficult, yeah. right? Like you've you've given me more and taken yeah. away, and I think that's why people want it. But I'm one of them, yeah. right? Like I I totally get it. I feel part of this too, and and it's interesting. We talked about this with the split release of like the iPad Pro models and how it feels weird because they're sort of like one one shoe has dropped, but then you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, I feel like that with the MacBook Pro, like. I think this will make a lot more sense when we leave this transitional period and there's a new MacBook Pro line that presumably is a lot more like the MacBook Air, uh, but has more features than the MacBook does. I I feel like I would like to believe that this summer we'll be in a place with Apple's laptops where the MacBook Air's 
uh, necessity will be gone That's because what, yeah. there'll be the MacBook yeah, yeah, and the yeah. MacBook Pro, and between them, you've got your options. But right now, it's sort of like a MacBook Air user. Yeah, you know, the MacBook has the Retina screen and is even thinner and lighter, but you're also giving stuff up if you go to it. And the MacBook Pro right now, it, as a as an 11 inch Air user, especially, I look at the I look at the MacBook Pros and I'm like, no, it's too big. No, forget it. And and so where do you go? And the answer is sort of nowhere. You sit on your hands and you complain yeah. that the MacBook isn't for you. Because like if I was using a, an 11 inch Air every day, knowing that the MacBook existed, I would be very upset because. You compare those two machines side by side, and the air is so ugly to me. Like that huge silver bezel. I know. Right? Like I was looking at it know? last night, and I was like, oh, it, it's it, like it, not a good-looking know, machine anymore. It did not yeah. age well. And yet, it's and yet my the the new the new um the new processor. It's it is. I actually got a faster single processor score from the new MacBook than I did for my i7 Air. Oh wow. So that that's just made it a little bit more like interesting to me anyway. Yeah, the multi the multi is still a little bit faster on the i7 Air, but um it's it's catching up. I mean, it's sort of sad in the sense what we're really saying is like good news everybody, the MacBook has finally caught up to the <laughs> MacBook Air of yeah. of uh, 2014, but that's that sort of But those Airs were like marvels, right? The they, speed they, they really in were. those things which, you know, it was so many people have called them the best Macs that Apple ever made for for very good reason. I mean the the uh, the i7 11-inch Air. It's like it's so small and it's so powerful. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, um, I had and, one and of it, those, and no no Mac has ever made me happier than that machine did. Yeah. Like I was able to do so much with it, and it was so tiny. Like I just love that thing. But let's park this. I want to talk about the MacBook Pro because okay. I think we were all expecting. Is it in the parking lot? It's in the we'll put in the MacBook in the parking lot now. Okay, don't run over it. Yeah, and then we're getting the electric version. Orange of cones the, are out. Uh huh. Yeah. Which is unplugging the MacBook Pro from the charging station, and we're okay. driving anyway. We're really pushing this metaphor. I think we're all expecting MacBook Pros to come out yeah. between that event and WWDC. And now, when I look at this, I see that's less likely now because why would you have? two separate quiet laptop announcements i feel like it's a bit much so now i look at it and i think to myself i expect the macbook pros to be really forward thinking again mm-hmm. right they're going to make that big jump they're going to be all in beautiful colors i think there's your th- there's your thunderbolt uh, 3 and perhaps an yep. external retina display that, to go along with it and like impossibly thin and light i think they're going to do what they did with the mac pro they're going to do that like video on stage and Phil Schiller's like, innovate anymore, my ass. Like, I think they're going to do that because that's <laughs> the audience for it. It's a good audience, right? A hundred percent of iOS developers use Macs, right? Because yeah. you have to use Xcode. And people so, will lose their minds when this thing right. is like as thin as a MacBook Air, right? Like, I'm, you know, that's what everyone wants. Imagine if it was that. Imagine how crazy they would go. And we'll drive an external retina display. Yep. That, uh, you know, the Thunderbolt 3 display or whatever it is yep. that, that, it, that it will drive. That would be, wouldn't that be great? That would be a great mic drop if if, yeah. if it came out and said hey the mac let's talk about the mac you all use macs uh what if we have look at these new macbook pros 13 and 15 and they're thinner and lighter and they really remind you of a macbook air don't they but look they don't stand these are pros they don't stand on ports we got usb uh you know standard usb we've got usb 3 but those aren't even just usb c those are those are thunderbolt 3 and they have this incredible number and and look we made an external monitor Woo! everybody goes nuts for the yep. external retina display that's driven by it but guess what? 
we know MacBook uh, Pro or Mac Pro people would want, want to drive that monitor too. So here's a new Mac Pro and it's got Thunderbolt 3 and it does all this. Woo, everybody goes crazy. Yep. Like, I could see that. I and, really and can see that. Both of these happening. machines will be ready to run Mac OS. Yes, Mac OS. <laughs> Jason explodes into a ball of flame. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I could, I could, I could see it. Uh, I could see that happening. I, I mean, I, I think they could release it, but if these really are the MacBook Pro is a big product. If if they've really redesigned it entirely, why would you not use the stage to do it? And that would be yeah. a perfect audience to do it, especially if you have some other stuff like a Retina display and a, and a, a Mac Pro behind it. Look, I just think if if they have done what we expect them to have done, which really is overdue, which is completely redesigned the MacBook Pro, you should be doing that in an, in front of an audience. And there's no better audience than the WWDC audience who are going to be packing out that Bill Graham um, auditorium. Civic auditorium, yeah. Because they'll probably get the majority of uh, attendees, right? There won't be overflow rooms. Or there might be, but like there won't be as much of a need because isn't the uh, the capacity larger than the capacity they use? I think it's typically. Like, I think the base capacity of the Civic Auditorium is eight thousand, so right. it's it's, a, it's it's larger. And they have what five thousand developers, right? So uh, yeah, I'm not sure overflow even would make sense because it's like a mile away. You can't like it would be. I mean, maybe they'll o- open overflow in Moscone West for people who don't want to walk over there and wait in line or something. But, but no, it'll be a big audience, and uh, it, it would be a good time for them to do it. My only, my only hesitation there is that the, it's going to be a packed keynote anyway, right? Because they're going to talk about presumably new Mac OS, iOS, Watch OS. Yeah, but they won't have the music thing, right? So like you'll have all that space taken. Like it will be out. There's not going to be something. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be something like Apple Music on stage this time. Right. So you slot that in there yeah. for for that, and instead you put do a Mac a Mac update. And yeah. genuinely, I think you need ten minutes tops for this Mac part. And we should say sometimes people are informed by like sources and stuff about um and they can't say so and they seem very assertive that things are going to happen and they're it's actually because they've got sources i can say with uh with a uh, uh, 100% accuracy that I have no sources telling me these things. I am yep. just speculating and I feel like the the first test that it passes is, is it plausible that they could do this? And I think the answer is yes. Yep. Will they do it? Who knows? But it certainly seems plausible that this would be the way to announce uh, a MacBook Pro and maybe some other Mac stuff. Yep, we're purely going for upgrade was right in this, uh, in this right. scenario. But this, yep. is, this is based on our... Uh, viewing and and understanding of the way that keynotes have run in the past, I think this seems very plausible. Let's talk about something that's less implausible, but before we do that, let's talk about FreshBooks. My one of my very favorite companies, FreshBooks. Um, not just because they support the show. I love that they support the show. Thank you, FreshBooks, for doing that. I also love that they make my life easier. FreshBooks's mission is to help small business owners save time and stress. And they do this primarily with their pain-free invoicing. And I've got to say, they help me all the time. It's super simple, super fast to set up invoices. They have intuitive tools. You can It takes just 30 seconds to create and send an invoice. You can add your company logo for that extra touch. And they give you tons of ways to pay, right? So you can integrate with a bunch of third-party payment services. FreshBooks have their own payment service as well. And if you are a FreshBooks customer, you will get paid five days faster on average. So that's one of the things that I really love. I love that it's really easy for people to pay us. That is just one thing I don't have to worry about. The other thing 
is they have just great tools that allow me to keep track of everything without needing to bug people. So I can see if somebody never opened an invoice, which means they probably I'm not going to get the money, am I, if they've never opened it? So maybe they just missed it. Or I can see, for example, before I go and ask someone or go check up with somebody, I can go in and take a look at the history of the invoice and see what action has been taken. So if, for example, I see that they went in two days ago and printed it, well, the check is probably on the way at that point, so I don't need to bug them. But one of the great things about FreshBooks is you can also automate that. They will, You can set up automatic late payment reminders as well, so it's even less of a thing that you need to worry about. FreshBooks has tons of third-party integrations. They can do time tracking as well, and also expense tracking, so no more boxes full of receipts. You can automatically import your bank transactions if you're in the US and their revamp mobile app also let you take photos of receipts and you can put them in FreshBooks to organize for later. Getting started with FreshBooks is really simple. You don't have to be a numbers person. If you're using any type of invoicing software or if you're not and you're using pages or something like that to do your invoices, trust me, try this out. I have sent over 500 invoices for FreshBooks now for Relay FM, and I wouldn't want to do it any other way. They're offering a 30-day free trial for listeners of this show, so it's, uh, 30 days of unrestricted use, no credit card required, so you can just go and check it out for yourself But going to freshbooks.com slash upgrade, and please enter upgrade in the how you heard about us section so FreshBooks knows that you came from this show. Thank you to FreshBooks for their support of Upgrade and for making my life a little bit easier. All right, so I listened to the uh, Secret Subscriber podcast, Six Colors, which is weirdly one of my favorite podcasts. And I say weirdly. It should be weird. I say weirdly because it's, there's just so many things that are uh, very different about it, right? Like one is I do a tech podcast with you, and I yes. listen to Clockwise, which you and Dan yes. are both on. And really, all that the show is is kind of just like your meeting, I guess. Like it's it's a funny show in that regard. But I just really love it. I think it's just because I like you and Dan so much. It's it's a I think I like the tone of it because it does feel it does feel a little bit different like the yeah. the, the the pressure's off it's roughly a half an hour but mm-hmm. we don't really keep to that and it, it, but we try to keep it short so it's usually a half an hour maybe a little bit less and it is just like yeah what are we working on what are we thinking about what's going on it's uh yeah so I, I encourage you it's one of the many uh things that you get if you are a six color subscriber you get access to that podcast plus a, a fun newsletter that we do uh and uh yeah all the great perks yeah and maybe more coming who knows but Ooh. uh but i think those are, are are fun little bonuses for people who who subscribe to six colors um yeah so we talked about the apple car last week yep you did and, and this was prompted by the fact that uh both of you had written stories um, about this yeah and Macworld in the last couple of weeks about the apple car yeah um so i wanted to kind of just throw some thoughts in um about the apple car uh that my my first thought is that all of this is ridiculous uh, to yeah, be talking about we, we got, right now we got an ask upgrade question that was like literally hey mike doesn't drive doesn't have a car what mm-hmm. is mike can mike gin up any enthusiasm about the apple car and i think the answer is no right because it's not only that but it's also very far away and kind of hard to picture yeah. right yeah so it was gareth who asked if i would get a driving license and i mean i'm gonna get a driving license probably before the apple car comes out anyway like when me and Nadina start a family, like I'm just gonna need to have a car. Um, so at, sure. that, at that point, like it will just make sense to have a car. So I'll just get a car. Uh, well, James Thompson and his wife have a have a car, but he doesn't drive, <laughs> so she she does all the driving. But they do have a car. 
Yeah. So it's like, you know, eventually I'll do it. It's just where I live in London and with the way that my life is, I just don't need one. So I don't have a driving license, so I've just never gotten around to it. But anyway, I will have one before then. Uh, I don't know if I would get a license just because Apple have a car, because this is the other part of it. Like one of the really weird things is I buy Apple products because I like Apple products and because I also have like a big part of my job based on what they do. So I have as many Apple products as I can buy. I try and get all the new stuff so I can talk about it intelligently. Don't think I necessarily want to buy a car though, right? Like a car is going to be really expensive and it would be weird. Like what do I have to do? Like spend, spend like 60 grand so I can talk about the car on upgrade like that's just one thing just as <laughs> doing what i do why this is a weird thing for me but like we can park that because no one really cares about that but we can we literally park that car we can park that in the don't Apple run over the car MacBook. parking lot yeah the you, macbook is sitting right there don't run it over watch out for your parallel park against the macbook but this whole thing about apple potentially building a car makes me feel really uneasy um i don't know if this is the right thing for apple to do it's a very strange product market to get into. It was way easier to jump to phones than it was to jump to cars. And and I know that you, you guys were saying um, that cars are becoming more like technology products as they're being charged, you know, powered by batteries and full of yeah, software. Yeah, there's like a convergence, I feel like, that's happening where if you look 10 or 15 years out, you can see that it's just as important to be good at software and sensors and uh, batteries and power management yeah. as it is to be good at drivetrains and tires. Yeah, but it's very un- one of the things that I keep hinging on is it's very unlikely for uh, a pocket computer to kill you. Um, and this is some the real problem with yeah. cars. They can kill you and they can kill other yeah. people. Um, and I think, you know, that, that, I wonder if there's going to be a backlash against this car advancement at certain points. Like, the point where you have to reboot your car while you're going down the highway, like, that's going to start upsetting people. You know, and things like this are going to happen. The more that trends towards software, the more it's going to trend towards there being issues, right? Right. I mean, the standard the standard has to be higher, certainly, right? You need you need uh, aspects of it. Although my understanding is that this is not outside the realm. I mean, this is what this is what people do now: is that you have you have levels, layers of the software that are that have to be rock solid because they are working in real time to func- to make your car function. And then there's like the interface stuff that if the app quits, it's fine. Uh, but it, it is a challenge. I mean, there but are so many still we- just people making it, you know, like and, and I know that people make drivetrains, but there's a lot of physics. Pe- people in make the software that's in cars today. Cars today have software too. I know. people make that stuff, too. Right? But but I think it's I think that the software that we're moving towards is more embedded than it is now, because at its fundamental point, there's still things moving and science happening to make the car move. <laughs> sure. Right? There's science it's happening. Like, anyway, I, I, every I'm, day. I'm starting to, to talk, I'm starting to get into something that I'm not, uh, I'm not smart enough in. So I'm going to back out of this conversation now. This, this one part. I think it's hard to have, um, it's hard to picture it because it's such a leap for them. I, I, and I, I mean, I have a hard time connecting the dots, honestly. This is why I start I start with, like, I understand why they're investigating it. If I were at Apple and I had 
I knew I had, you know, maybe almost $200 billion in cash. I mean, like a huge amount of cash and and, and a lot of money coming in, but uh, want to explore new areas because we know that tech companies that don't explore new areas lose those new areas to new companies and they, and they start to die. So you want to place your bets. And the car thing is really interesting. And if you, you know, if you're Apple, you've probably got a pretty good view of Apple's skills. You're like, you know, we're awesome, right? So why couldn't we do that? And I, and I see that like you I see the that initial thought of here's where we could go. The car is interesting. Cars in the future are going to use things that we're good at. The car we have we have very little uh, confidence in the existing car makers. We see what Tesla's doing and we think, well, wait a second. It's much more likely that Tesla in the long run is going to succeed. Maybe this isn't true, but I'm just trying to get in the mindset here. Um, and we could do that too. And we could eat the lunch of these old car companies that have to be busy selling cars today instead of trying to picture what the car is going to be in 10 years. I, I totally see that. And I think even spending money to make that bet is probably right. And you look at what Tesla has done. Like Tesla has has its charger network. Tesla has its dealer network. Or it's not dealers. It's like it's they're like Apple stores. It's got its retail network. It's like this is nothing that Apple could not do to build all this stuff out. It absolutely could. It just would require a sustained effort at a large scale along the lines of what they did rolling out retail and uh, have this huge hardware effort going on where they're going to, I guess, build cars eventually. Like, I can see how you would do it and how that you can you can imagine getting to the point where it's it's a thing. And then and then I have like the cloud with the question mark where it's like then what happens? Like how do we get to the end and what is that end game? And that's where I have a hard time seeing it. And and maybe that's just because I'm not a car guy and because I am not spending all my days with a bunch of brilliant people at Apple talking about what this product is going to be where I might get it. For me it's like yeah, I can sort of see why you would do it, but I'm having a hard time connecting the dots. Like the the conversation about the money spending the money is is pointless because they have the money like there's no amount of money that they don't have right yeah. it doesn't matter like it just doesn't matter because they could probably do a space probe if they wanted to anything because nobody has more money than them right like it's just yeah. They can spend. They could spend forty billion, and next quarter they're right. fine again. Like it, it, the money conversation. There's just no point in even having it because normal rules do not apply to this company. Right. Right. Because but, uh, they get way more money in than they can ever spend. It's and that's. Just a I fact. guess. I guess what I'm saying is that that's that's why I I get the idea that look, if you think there's an opportunity in the car then you can do it. Like, if you're Apple, you can just do it. Or even if you just want to spend some money, like, you do, you know, we just, like, we've got too much money. You might as well spend it on something. Let's build a car. The reason we're talking about this is not just that Dan and I wrote about it, but because uh, there were there were two pieces. Motor Trend did a big thing where they did a mock-up of what they thought the Apple car looks so like, which, just so which ridiculous. deals like, with all, uh, all the same issues that any mock-up of an imaginary product does, which is based on today and not based on the future, and so it's a remix of existing stuff instead of a new product, and that's why there's an Apple menu in the upper left-hand corner of the windshield. But like, they uh, just wouldn't build a car that looked <laughs> like this, because it looks no. ridiculous. No, no, it's just like the iPhone mock-ups that look like an iPod with a click wheel, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it is that's it's one designer. I don't want to I don't want to run down the designer because the designer seems to be a very talented person, but this was a job to do a a concept for a for a website and uh, you know and not build a car in the real world over the course of five years, and mm-hmm. so it shows because that's just that's just how it is. Um, also, Mac Rumors had a a story that I I saw because Marco Arment linked to it and said, "Well, Germans are involved in the Apple car now." 
now I'm interested, which made me laugh. But there is this this uh, rumor that Apple has got a, a car lab in, in Berlin now and that they have actually recruited a bunch of people who are sort of unhappy with the stodginess of the German car world and they want to do awesome new stuff and that Apple has sort of swept them up and has is putting them at work in an Apple uh, lab in, in Germany, which I thought was interesting. And that, that those stories made me think, okay, well, let's talk about the Apple car again, basically. But it's 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 weird. And um, w- the reason I find it fun to think about it and talk about it is mostly because I don't understand it. And I am trying to figure out what it means. And uh, um, that that is an interesting place to be. And it's kind of a fun place to be in a way. But um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's weird. So I've got a comparisons to Tesla in this argument don't work for me because you know it's, it, it feels like a lot of like sure apple could do it because tesla does it but this is more important to tesla because this is all they do it's true right like would apple build supercharging stations across the u.s probably not because well they're also gonna have this product in other countries so yeah. they do they have to then build the, the infrastructure yeah. for why not countries. Tesla has done that too. Yeah, but I feel like Apple would take their usual stance of we're so popular, people will build the infrastructure because of us. It's po- that's possible, although I think we're going to get there. There's a question about the Tesla superchargers too, is what happens when there are four different uh, four different electric cars on the market from four different companies, all of which require a fast charging system. Are there going to be different fast charging systems everywhere? Or at some point, is it all going to kind of coalesce down into a, a single fast charging standard, uh, maybe with adapters? I feel and, like uh, if you're Apple, you do a deal with Tesla to just use their superchargers. Because it's po- possible. Like, Why would you build your own infrastructure? Like, At a certain point, there's not enough space on the side of the roads i i like i actually think one of the strongest arguments against the apple car is that that, that what you just said about this is what tesla does uh this is apple adding a whole other wing and if they kind of run it as its own thing and it's and it's walled off from the rest of the company i guess that's one thing but of course you want to take advantage of the talent at apple and then are you draining the talent or distracting all, apple from all of its other products because they have these people who are excited to work on the new toy yeah, i have wondered if the way that you may answer a lot of these questions is that Apple creates a spin-off company in some regard that does some of this stuff. Even if it's just a wholly owned subsidiary yeah. that, that does it. But then I, I think you what you lose is the connection to, to Apple. You know, okay, so, so the other yeah, thing... That could be good and bad, right? Yeah. The other thing that, that's a play here that I don't want to get into too much is that one of the reasons this is this is happening is this motivation for growth that like Wall Street demands growth and yep. and I, I I think it's the danger for a lot of a lot of public companies is they lose focus on their key products because they they can't just focus on how great they are like the iPhone throws off all this money huge profits um, but instead of making you know and they are they are working to make it better I, I, it's not a direct instead I shouldn't say that but they lose some focus looking at other areas because they need to be worried about growth and not just sustaining their incredible business that they've got but that's just that's the that's the the name of the game if you make things powered by electronics that that bleep the next big market is is vehicles i i guess bleeping where else is it like vr but okay like vr is way more software than hardware yeah and i'm sure apple's investigating that one too right but yeah the cars i this that's what i've been saying is is i see why you look at the cars and are like yeah 
we probably should do that, right? Software, sensors, it's like, a, the as Jeff Williams said, the ultimate mobile device. There are skills that Apple has that fit into the car thing. And if, if Tesla can do it, I mean, this, this is the thing, is if, if Elon Musk can take his money and, and do it with Tesla, it's like Apple's got way more money than that. <laughs> they, could, they could totally build that. But do they have the vision? Do they have the leadership? And yeah. is it going to be a distraction from their other products? And I think that's the, I think that's the real mystery here. The vision and leadership thing is, is exactly the, the other part of it. It's like, okay, you have the money. But like, do you really care? Right. Like, I, I get the sense that Elon Musk cares a whole lot about space and about electric cars. Right. I, I get that sense. It's like, what what is is this at Apple? Do they have that? Do they care? Are they going to commit everything they possibly can to this? I hope they can. That's the only way to do this right. But, you know, is this an end round or uh, an end run around the uh, car companies where they just can't move fast enough for these and these tech companies can can uh, can eat their lunch. It, it maybe maybe so. I mean, I I wouldn't put it past them. The car companies have never been perceived as being particularly cutting edge, or at least not in our lifetimes. Um, and I know they're trying, but they're the incumbents. It's very hard as an incumbent to throw away everything and start from scratch. And so you end up managing things for, you know, your existing products and your existing markets. And it becomes very hard to have a sustained effort to do something dramatically new and a new, and somebody like Apple that has zero car sales right now doesn't have to do that. And Tesla started there too. So there are a lot of advantages to not being a car company to make a future car, um, but you know they also don't know anything about the car market so they have to learn that stuff i don't know i i, I don't want to talk about it more than maybe we've already done um but it's just it's out there and it's weird and there continue to be stories about it and who knows i, th- I think it's i think it's going to be you know four years before we yep. see something if that so yeah there's just one one more point i wanted to make yep. right what if the apple car will be to cars as the Apple TV is to TVs. Like We spoke for years about the TV set that Apple was definitely making. <laughs> no, we didn't. G well, Monster did. Some people did. But like it was, it was assumed in rumors in the same way, right, that Apple were going to be making a TV set. And a lot of the objections that we had to Apple making a TV set are the same objections that people have for making a car. Retail stores won't be able to handle it. Prices are too high for quality, and does Apple really want to get into this business? Like they, were, it's the exact same arguments, and I just wonder if it might not be an entire car that they do. I don't know. I, I don't know, but I, I think they want to make an entire car, but I do wonder. The, I think they the also end. wanted to make an entire TV, though. As yeah. well, I believe yeah, that I don't they know. did. I, I don't, I don't know. It never made sense um, in the way that making maybe, a car maybe... doesn't make sense. No, either, I think though. I think I think I think it does um, to a certain degree. But I would say that uh, you know, it's uh, I think it's possible that one of the end games here is not that Apple makes an Apple branded car, but that Apple ends up being the source of uh, you know of either being the source of something that's used in a lot of other cars or that Apple ends up make, having a partner. But at the same time, Apple doesn't work well with others. So I, every time I try to hedge this and say, well, maybe the end game isn't that Apple makes a car, I then get to the point where I'm like, really, is Apple going to work with somebody else? I can't. I kind of can't see that either. So... Yeah, I, I think I honestly think one of the biggest things that stands between us and the release of an Apple car is that our perception of Apple and what it is and what it can do has to change. And fortunately, there are like four or five years probably before 
any car like this would come to market where they have a chance to to lay the groundwork for that because it will require uh, a lot of groundwork being laid. Um, and and the difference between Apple and Tesla is that everybody is going to be going nuts if there's an Apple car. And Tesla was able to start small with a very small run and learn as they went. And I feel like the uh, the impetus on Apple, like Apple. They may not do this, but I think what people are going to want from Apple, the expectation is that Apple's going to be able to sell a car right away at volume. And it's not going to happen. It seems impossible to happen. And even Tesla, you know, is struggling with the new Model 3 to actually, you know, really ramp up the volume. And it's taken them several years and several models to get there. And I don't think it's likely that Apple is going to be able to just roll a brand new Apple car off the assembly line in 2020 first thing and make, you know, a million of them. Right. I, I just it seems unlikely to me. And I think that's what people will demand because it's Apple. So I don't know how they I don't know how they navigate that. Hmm. What did Steve Jobs say? Ten percent of the phone market. Yeah, that was all yeah. they wanted, you know. Yeah, well, I think that I think that's the the way you have to do it is to say, look, I know people are really excited about this, but this is going to be only in the U.S. and only you know, and it's going to be really expensive, and it's going to be only in the certain areas that it's even going to be available because because in reality, that's all they're going to be able to make at first, and then people howl at the price and all that and say it's a failure oh and i mean it may follow that same pattern who knows okay it's that time again it is ask upgrade time this week's ask upgrade is brought to you by casper the online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get yourself for a fraction of the price that you'll find in stores casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by slicing the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing those savings directly onto you the consumer casper mattresses provide resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort a casper mattress is just one of a kind it is a beautiful hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam casper mattresses are fantastically priced you can usually be used to paying thousands of dollars for a nice mattress casper mattresses cost between 500 for a twin size 750 for a full 850 for a queen and 950 for a king size mattress and believe it or not even at these amazing prices all casper mattresses are made in america casper understands that the idea of buying a mattress online is a interesting proposal because usually you think to yourself i go and sit on the mattress and i know if it's right for me but even that doesn't really make much sense because you sit on the mattress fully clothed for a couple of minutes in a store while somebody's talking to you so this is why casper offers a fantastic experience it's completely risk free you can get a casper mattress delivered to you and you can have it in your home for a hundred days before you decide if you want to return it it's that simple it's a risk-free 100 day return period so this is why Casper mattresses are not only fantastic, but they also have a fantastic process and, and ordering and all that stuff. So you can make sure that this is the right mattress for you. Listeners of this show can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com upgrade and using the code upgrade at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's time for some uh, Ask Upgrade. Woo! Ask Upgrade. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I have been here. Uh, the lasers have been building up. So. <laughs> high-powered lasers. Dangerous. This dangerous. Week. Really you have to let it out. high-powered yeah. lasers. Uh, the first question comes from Mike. Mike, this is not me, is loving his 9.7-inch <laughs> iPad Pro, but wondered if he should get a screen protector for it. Jason, what do you think? 
I have never used a screen protector on anything, but you know, don't let me be your guide. Maybe I'm a bad example. What about you? Do you use screen protectors? No, I do not. Why do you not? I don't. Uh, well, uh, they get in the way. They're hard to apply. They have like bubbles and stuff. I I, I tried once and with one that that like cut the glare. It was like a non-glare thing, and uh-huh, it, it was uh-huh. never really satisfying. And uh, and uh, you know, the glass is pretty tough. Um, and I do have a cover, right? So I, I the glass is very rarely exposed when I'm not using it, and for my iPad Pro, and that's I think that's enough. So for me personally, I I don't. I don't see the value in having a like a a protector on it all the time, uh, but I do recommend that somebody have a cover on it because that's when that's when it can you know scrape on things. I yeah. would say more than when it's in your hands. You know, like these days, I drag a piece of plastic over the top of my iPad screen all the time, and there's never any problems with that. You know, it, I've never had a scratch in a screen from one of these devices. I I don't think screen protectors are necessary. Um, I've never run into any problems with them like this. You know, I I just think that I think it's fine. I don't think you need to do it. I understand why um, someone might use an anti-glare thing. Um, maybe so they can read their iPad mini by the pool. But just as a protector for the screen scratching, I really don't think you have to worry about it. These smartphones these days have such incredible glass. It's so difficult to scratch it. You you really have to go to town to try and scratch one of these things. So unless you're unless you're in a, a a line of work which might mean that you would scratch your screen easier than others, then maybe you should consider it. Otherwise, I don't think you need to worry about it. Yeah, Neil asked um, and wrote in. A, I love this question. A colleague I convinced to switch to the Mac was baffled by the DMG mechanism for distributing software. How do I explain this to them? This is one of the biggest uh. inconsistencies and problems uh, when trying to get somebody to switch to the Mac. And part of this is just in the fact that the system is mad and it makes no sense because you have three different ways now of, of which installing apps can occur to you. You can get them from the App Store or they're somewhere installed from like .pkg package files like on Windows, right? You just double-click it and it installs and some are DMGs. Like, this is the pro- one of the biggest problems of trying to switch somebody to the Mac, is trying to explain this system. Because the disk image system for installing software doesn't really make sense. Sorry, everyone. I don't no, it think doesn't. it makes sense why you would open something and then take it out, but you can also run it from there. And you then know. you have to eject the disk image. Yeah. And then throw away the... No, it's dumb. It really should be... Um, you know, some other, an archive that you double, a zip or something, and you double click and it un, and it, and unzips and then you copy it to your application folder. The, the advantage of the DMG is that it appears, uh, you can put like a background, you can have a little alias to your applications folder, so you tell people to drag it, and that's sort of become the convention. But I, I, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense, and the fact that you have to do the cleanup afterward is really annoying. And yep. I'm a little surprised that Apple hasn't... Um, done more to make this better but i think the problem is the politically since the existence of the mac app store it's very hard to get uh support within apple i suspect to make it easier to install software that isn't from the mac app store well because when the mac app store was created that was their solution that was what they thought and what everyone thought would mean that this was the only way you needed to distribute applications but that's not how it's turned out 
No, and and so one of the problems I think is that not only is the Mac App Store a disappointment, but it's actually stalled perhaps progress in other areas. Because yeah, you should be able to get a thing that has an app in it and double click it and have it say, "Hey, this is an app package. Would you like me to put it in your applications folder?" And you say yes, and it does it, and it you know, and it deletes it maybe or puts it in the trash or it lets you choose whether you want to put it in the trash. Something that's like a one like an installer thing, uh, and uh, nope. Nope. Yeah. You know, I don't like installers that put, that spew files everywhere. Um, that's one of the advantages of OS X always was the, like you just drag the app in and it's installed and you throw it away and it's uninstalled. And very few apps come with an installer package. But at the same time, the simple like click on a link, download a thing uh, and install it has this DMG thing in the middle, which is uh, not 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 great. I know that there are going to be people that are screaming about the benefits. None yep. of the benefits outweigh the the issues and the, with this system, especially in just trying to help somebody switch. It's I agree. It confuses no so sense. many so many people. Uh, non computer nerd people are completely baffled by DMGs. Completely, and I don't blame them. They are baffling. They're I weird. know I was when I switched to the Mac. And then I'm using my computer all day, and I look at in the Finder, and it's got like, oh, that disk image of that thing that I downloaded at at nine a.m. is still sitting there because I didn't eject it. I How literally have just that? ejected one from this morning, which <laughs> yeah. was even a disk image, which then loaded a package file. So it's like that makes it even worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. I, I hate it. Uh, Jorge uh-huh. uh, asked, or oh, Jorge, I'm going to go with Jorge. It sounds nicer sure. it, than, than the way that I said it the first time. Sorry if your name is Jorge. I'm going to go with Jorge. Uh, can, uh, can we broke artists expect pencil integration in upcoming versions of cheaper iPads? I'm sorry, Jorge. I doubt this for a very long time. Um, I agree. The, the Apple Pencil is part of the Pro line, and Apple need some differentiation for the Pro line to make it attractive to people. The pencil, I think, is the number one thing that Apple is trying to promote more than the keyboard, uh, more than anything else, I believe, is like this is what makes this a pro device. It has this pencil which you can draw on and take notes on. Um, I I think that that is the thing that they're using to try and make it stand out because it visually stands out, right? You can take a picture of the pencil and it's like on the the iPad and it's like, whoa, look at that thing because you can't take a picture of speed. You can't take a picture of True Tone. Like you can't do that, but you can with the pencil. And I think until there are more things, maybe in the future, that make the Pro line more attractive, that's the only place you're going to find the pencil. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I think that that's Apple strategy here. Is that the pencil is a a feature of the higher end products. I actually also believe it makes the product more expensive right now anyway because the screens so. have a bunch of new technology in them. Um, I think so. Yeah. So I think it's a double edged sword. Uh-huh. And then kind of a, a, a leading question on from this, Aaron wanted to know what we think the chances are of a uh, iPad mini-sized iPad Pro this fall. I, I, don't, I just don't see that. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think I don't they think need to have iPad Pro in all sizes. Like, it comes in every color. Like, it's not necessary, I don't think. I, I don't know what you could do with a 7.9-inch iPad Pro. Like, even the 9.7 is a, is a stretch at, like, what makes this Pro. Like, you can't make a keyboard for it because that's just ridiculous at that size. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, the, uh, you, I recommend using the the 7.9 inch iPad Pro with the 12.9 inch iPad Pro keyboard just for laughs. It's like, what can you do with that one? I don't know what you could do to make that Pro. To be honest, Aaron says, "What are the chances?" So I'm going to say two percent because there's always a chance, but I, I it's not going to happen. I'm going to go with one percent. Okay, 
fine. You win. And finally, Kenny this week, having spotted a picture that I posted on my Instagram of me eating at Waffle House in Atlanta, asked, how do you take your Waffle House hash browns, Jason? So we have a lot of issues here, right? Hash browns. This is for you, not not me, I think, uh-huh. Mike. But I want to see if you have a, an answer. So first off, hash browns are, are complicated because it can mean different things to different people. In some places, hash browns are like um, potato patties. And in other places, yep. they are the kind of grated potato that yeah. is fried. This is not a hash brown to me. A hash brown is a compacted thing. Right. Which I would call, I don't even know what that is, a potato pancake? Uh, hash brown patty hash pa- makes, more, makes the yeah. most sense. That's what it says on Wikipedia as a way to try and uh, differentiate yeah. it. There like you even, go. Hash you brown know, patty. What are, what are hash browns like in McDonald's? I don't know. I don't eat at McDonald's. <laughs> All right. Because well, this is how they look in, in, in the UK. But anyway. But so I don't know. You might have had a McDonald's breakfast in your lifetime. Who knows? Uh, when I was a kid, I occasionally would have a McDonald's breakfast and I just got the pancakes in the styrofoam container where you'd try to use the plastic knife to cut the pancakes and you'd cut through the bottom of the styrofoam and you'd get uh, mm-hmm. maple syrup all over your pants. Yeah, Perfect. good times. Casey, I know you're out there. You know the answer to this question. What what are hash browns like in McDonald's breakfasts? So so um, my hash brown preference when we go, I haven't ever been to a Waffle House, although I've been past one. I've never been in one. Um, the uh, But when I go to p- breakfast places, which I do occasionally, mm-hmm. uh, I like... The you get the you get the grated potato hash browns and I like them I like them well done I like them I like them crispy mm-hmm. and not soggy I don't like the soggy uh, soggy hash browns I want them I want them super crispy that's how so I like them there basically one of the reasons this comes up with the pen show is there is a Waffle House in the parking lot of the hotel well that'll do it so you know you'll go there um and my hash browns i just have them regular as they come because waffle house they have all these like things like scattered and chunked and it basically means that they put different things in them i didn't want any of that like i'm sure there's some of them that are nice but i just wanted it as as plain and simple uh as they could make it and that was how i had it they are uh thank thank you to Doug Beale for the link to the McDonald's wiki. Good lord, which has the hash brown and it's a yeah, it's a patty. There you it's go. Potato, so it's a potato patty. And I know um, why they do that, because it's you can move it around. Well yeah, you can have them frozen and just take them out and heat them up or whatever they do to them and, and uh, right, the, the the shredded uh potato stuff is, is harder harder yeah. to make and not you as just, portable. But they just say the, put out your hand and then that's they the good just stuff. scoop some hash brown into the your hand. House. Waffle House is a very southern thing. Um, my family, I used to have an uncle who lived in Florida, and I definitely saw them there. Also, I, I learned a very funny thing, which is there's also a chain, chain of breakfast re- restaurants there, a competitor to Waffle House called Huddle House. And it made me laugh because Huddle House, I think literally one of their strategies when they started was that they could take over old Waffle House locations and only change a few of the letters. That's so smart. <laughs> I love that, <laughs> right? And I, I, there was a Huddle House down the road from my parent or my uh, my aunt and uncle in uh, in Orange Park, Florida. That was uh, that was clearly an old Waffle House where they had just taken some of the letters off the Waffle House and replaced them with new letters that spelled Huddle House. And it made me laugh actually because it's like, well, that's one way to do it is yeah. just to. They have a corporate logo and stuff, but I believe I believe perhaps it started with them saying, "What can we do to be very much like the Waffle House?" And you only have to change a few letters. I like that strategy. Yeah, brilliant. Genius. I gotta say, right, for I like Waffle House for when I have it once or twice a year. Yeah. You know? Because it's so what I imagine. Right? Like it's everything I imagine. 
as Joe Steele says, Waffle House is sketchy. I agree. I I, uh, I will always opt for a Cracker Barrel over a Waffle House if I have to choose because the Cracker Barrel is yeah yeah. I suppose it's more kind of corporate and they want to sell you a rocking chair, but what? I do enjoy the. Uh, the I have uh, no the, idea what Cracker, cracker barrel. barrel is. Cracker Barrel it's, was a cheese. Uh, yeah. Cracker. Yeah. Well, Cracker Barrel is is also a. Uh, it is a cheese, but it's also a chain of uh, restaurants that are Southern style and. Uh, CrackerBarrel.com wants to know my location. I will not allow that. Uh, yeah, well, they, they the want to find. Notes. They want to find you. They want to find me. Here's your local Cracker Barrel. It's in New York or something. I don't know. But look, I you know I know Waffle House is is kind of terrible food. That's why I like it though, right? Like when I come to America, I like to have good American food and I like to have crappy American food because I'm not mm-hmm. American. Yes. Right. So you can tell me all the great American food, and I've had lots of it. But I also like stereotypical, horrible American food because it's like part of the tourist attraction. Yeah. Is oh, yeah. crap food. Absolutely. Like luminous cheese. You know. When I'm in the South, I want all the stuff that's bad for you. I want you know because what what is the point of that? So I I totally hear you. So Waffle House. I think if you're in Atlanta, you should go to the Waffle House, right? Yeah, and, you and did. it's in the parking lot of the hotel, like you know. So there you go, <laughs> I, right next to the Apple Car and the MacBook Pro. It's easy peasy. So there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, we're gonna put the Waffle House in the parking lot. We're gonna put this whole episode in the parking lot you can find yep. our show notes this week over at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 86 if you want to find jason online go to sixcolors.com or theincomparable.com you can find him on twitter he is at j snell j-s-n-e-l-l i am at imike i-m-y-k-e thank you again to our lovely sponsors casper freshbooks and it pro tv we'll be back next time until then say goodbye jason snell goodbye everybody